It's dictated sometimes for us. Not so much us deciding, but life is decided for us. In the last week, I talked to a number of our people here at Bethany. It seemed like jobs are taking some people this way, and children and people are doing this thing over here. It's taking us that way. There's some new pe- or some people with a baby on the way. Can you imagine if you introduced a baby into your life at this stage? Wouldn't that be fun? Um, others, it's retirement. Yeah, when, yeah. Some of you, <laughs> Bob's shaking his head. He's like, I don't know if I'm excited about that. J- just remember, Abraham was, I think, over a hundred when he had his first son. So, just God knows best, right? Um, Others are thinking about retirement, and life is flying at us, and sometimes it seems like maybe at one point in time in our life, we can maybe imagine, we can think back that time we were in the driver's seat, and it felt like we had some say about what was going on. And then maybe later on, we got moved into the co-pilot seat, and so we're, we're maybe aware, but we realize we don't have as much say about what's going on. And then sometimes it seems like life has kicked us into the back seat, and we're white-knuckling it with uh, life going flying just right on by us. And it's hard to know what's going to happen next. In the book of Mark, in chapter 1, there's a story of what happened in Jesus' life. And it would seem, if you would just at first glance look at it, it seemed like life was pulling Jesus along and putting him into the back seat putting him down a road, and he didn't have a say in what was going on. But that couldn't be further from the truth. So life has a life of its own. It takes us down pathways we weren't expecting. We see road signs and a view that we didn't expect. But make no mistake, we have a guide in this foreign land, and he's ready to take us to where we need to be. So this message this morning is maybe not uh, to give you all the answers. This is, the, this is maybe to point a way, a point of direction. Bethany, we've, we've been going through prayer for a, a little while now, and this is just another avenue to understand. Today's message is another way to understand maybe how God might be speaking to us and Jesus' example from that. And this morning I thought it'd be useful to talk a little bit about an illustration from life, and I have an example of it right here in front of me. This is a smartphone, right? Maybe you've seen one of these. You probably have one. Uh, on this, what will it do? We can take a picture. Maybe it's got a calendar. If you uh, are around here a lot, we do this new app. It's called Echo. It's a prayer. It's a way that you can connect with prayer. So if maybe you want to know more about that, but some people here at our church connect via prayer with this. There is... Uh, email I could send with this. It's everything is self-contained and I can text with this. You know what? This phone even, I can call people and talk to them with it, which is kind of weird when you think about it that it was originally designed for that, but I probably use it for everything else first. Self-contained in this is everything it needs to have. It even has a battery so that I don't have to be tethered to a, a wall. I can just carry it around. It does everything I need. And over there on that wall, I can see it right now, there's an outlet. Maybe you can see it. It might be one by you on the other side. Inside that outlet is all the power that this device would ever possibly need. 
power like crazy, all right? It, could, it can do that. But if I don't have power every once in a while coming to this, it loses its ability to function. Loses its ability to do what needs to be done. So I need a cord. I need some kind of a plug-in. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't have one up here. I, I need to get that cord, don't I? If I'm, going to, if I'm going to get this device to work, otherwise it's just a really expensive paperweight. Um, I don't need that, right? I can find a rock that can do that. If you think about it, this could be an illustration for our, our walk with Christ. Inside our lives, inside our, our minds, our hearts, our, our life, everything is needed. Everything that was required. God designed us and made us with everything required to be a fully functioning person, entity, to make it through our world. And we know that there is power. He has power. Just maybe three miles or whatever it is from here, there's a pile of coal and a big old power plant. It's, it's the, you've seen it, right? You've seen the smoke. You, it, you know it's there. We know our God is there. We know that he has all the things, the power that's required. But maybe you're like me a little bit and it seems like there's a disconnect. It seems like while I might be, I believe in the promises of God. I'm not doubting those things. I have faith that I, everything I need is in me. And I know that God has all the power, but maybe I'm disconnected. My power supply, my battery seems to be running low. This is maybe where prayer steps in. That cable, that connection between who he is and who we are. And this morning, we're going to look into a little bit more what that connection is. And not so much what, what I might say. It's Jesus' connection to what that power might be. So first, before we get into that, a review from last week. We know that uh, there is three parts to us. Pastor Kim talked about this. There's the body, the soul, and the spirit. So the body, the functioning parts of us are in there. But there's also a soul and the spirit, and they're connected to one another. You can't really, as a human, separate your soul and spirit from your body. They're all connected. Some people might say that you're just a body, and when you die, it's gone. But we know that intuitively, we know that is not exactly true. Also, what makes us unique and different from all of the creation out there is that soul and spirit. It's connected to one another. Our prayer life, then, flows out of this body, soul, and spirit to our God in heaven. And we have a relationship with him. And we looked at this last week. Our relationship with God is by grace through faith. If you have a program this morning, there's some blanks. You can maybe fill those in if, if that's helpful. So what is the end result that we're hoping for, that we desire, that we know we need? And that would be a strong relationship with God. And a tangible attribute of our prayer life might be to have one that looks like Jesus's. And prayer, much, much like a relationship with God, so prayer is much like a relationship in that it's by grace through faith. God's grace allows for, for prayer to be this connection between us, and it's by faith. We have to believe that it's there. Now, there are connections to it in our daily life that it's I'm reminded that we might have it, 
but it is by faith. We can't always see it. Maybe this has happened to you. I remember this, this last week. I was in the car. I can, I can tell you, it was almost like God was speaking to me. I was driving in my car, and that fancy device that I told you about earlier, it was sitting next to me, and I remember thinking, I need to call that person. I, I need to call that person. And it, so I, I just picked up the phone on a safe place, <laughs> and I, I, I talked to them on the phone. I, I, I said, well, I was just thinking of you today. How are things going? What's happening? And the, the, their immediate response is, I can't believe that you just called. I was just talking about you with my, with my mom, and we needed to talk about something. So we went on to have this conversation. And they, they wanted to talk, but how do you, do you know when it's appropriate? When, when's the right time? Anyways, I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this prayer time for me to talk on the phone with them. And maybe that's happened to you, where you, you, you sense that I need to do this today. We know that prayer is real. We know that's a conduit for life. And it's not just us talking to Him. Sometimes it's God speaking to us. So, before we go any further, I would like to remind all of us here, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's important to remember, and that is, as much as we would like our relationship with God, He wants it even more. He desires that relationship, He desires for that cable to be working even more than we might. And we have an example of what that might look like in the early church. We will be getting into Mark chapter 1, but I thought it would be good to give an example from the early church of how prayer worked with some disciples. So before we turn to Mark chapter 1, if you have a Bible, you could turn to Acts chapter 2 to begin with. So God's desire is a rich relationship with Him. So God's desire is a rich relationship with Him. That's the first blanks there in your program. If you read Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Just a few things that they had going on. Now, a church does many things, doesn't it? We have a, we have a painting event coming up next Sunday. We have a men's retreat coming up. You'll hear more about that a little bit, little bit later this morning. But what was that early church doing? What were the apostles really devoting themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and awe. And if you read on in Acts 2, 43 through 47, you can see the results of these practices. They were filled with awe and wonders. Their needs were met. Everything was held in common. They met daily in the temple courts. They praised God. They had the favor of all the people. That would be something, huh? If our church, if we were held in the favor of all the people, that doesn't always happen, does it? And numbers were added daily. As you look at that list of things that were going on, sometimes do you look at that and say, I wish I had that. I wish... I wish I saw more of those things happening in the church. 
As the church grew, the leadership focus narrowed even further. Instead of getting broader, it narrowed. Eventually, it said the apostles limited what they focused on to just prayer and the ministry of the word. So the result of these priorities were a rich connection with God and a solid connection with one another, the favor of God, favor of others, and we're told that God added to their numbers daily. If you're like me, I look at that and I say, Jesus, can we have a little bit more of that around here? That's what, I, that's what we exist for, right? That's, that's what we would like. That prayer life that they seem to have, this connection they seem to have. And, and then I'm reminded, I, I look at that and I remember the very apostles, the very disciples that were leading this movement, even they didn't understand what prayer was. They didn't comprehend what prayer was meant to be till a significant time into Jesus' ministry. It was elusive for the disciples, and we should expect it might be a, a little elusive for us as well to understand how this all fits in. But there's an episode early on in Jesus' ministry where it becomes clear they didn't quite grasp what was happening, but there was a way to find it. It's found in Mark chapter 1. So Acts chapter 2, if, if, if it is the example of the early church, that's an advanced development. We need to go back to where it all started. The inspiration that Jesus was for his disciples could be our inspiration as well. So as we look at Mark chapter 1, I hope that it, it's not just something like a textbook, like something we might read. I hope it comes alive in saying, these disciples, they began to have a clue for the first time in their life what Jesus was about. Maybe we could be inspired the same way as these disciples were by looking at this example. The disciples led this movement and prayer became a core part of it. But to jump into the style of prayer without understanding who Jesus' example was, I think one of the reasons why most people I have met with a deep relationship with God, the kind of relationship that I would like, seemed a little bit older in their faith, they seem to have advanced along, they've had life kind of come at them and pair off some of the, the edges. It's, it's because that person has begun to understand it's not until many of these things of this earth and the things around us get taken away that we understand who God really is. I found this quote by Billy Graham, and I think it fits at this time. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. And maybe that's, maybe that's where we can think of that moment. I know I can remember this. It seemed like my richest times of prayer were not really those times when I had it all together. It's the richest times of prayer for me and maybe the loved ones I have is when Kind of things didn't go exactly the way I thought. Things went wrong. And that's where God really begins to take root in our life and come alive. I'm so grateful, and I'm sure you are too, I'm so grateful that He is seeking and desires this relationship even more than I do. So let's look at Mark. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, um, verse 1, I'm actually going to read this verse first. It says this, 
um, in, in an introduction to who Mark, what Mark was trying to do. In the beginning, this is Mark 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel of Mark is Mark's description of who Jesus is. And in that, he is the Messiah. Jesus Christ, this, this Savior. I asked some people just this last week, we were talking about baptism, to tell you the truth, and I asked them, who is Jesus to them? One of the first things they said is, he's our Savior. That's who he is. But he's also the Son of God. And the book of Mark goes on to not even use these words really anymore. It's the only time he gives this overview of who Jesus is. From then on, he lets the stories and the things that happen help people understand what was going on. Let's read, skip down now to Mark chapter 1, 21 and 22, where we begin to understand a little bit better who this Jesus was. Um, this is number two in your slides. So go ahead, Peter. You can, there we go. Thank you. Um, Jesus' example of living connected. Mark chapter 1, 22 and 21 and 22. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. He met the, Jesus met the spiritual needs of the people in his day. And his, his day began early on that Saturday, a Sabbath, which would have been a Saturday. He went to the synagogue because he knew they needed, the people needed to understand the word of God. So he taught, and he, he taught in such a way it was different. He created pathways for them to understand this direct connect with God. He was trying to create this, this route so they could find their way. Perhaps there was challenge. He spoke with authority, and so when he spoke, it seemed like the people were grasping it for the first time. So we need... For an example of, of where this is coming into our lives, we need God's encouragement. We need His challenge. It's been an ongoing, ongoing habit of believers to meet on a regular basis, to look at God's Word. And there is no substitute for knowing and sharing God's Word. As we know the Father, we can know the Son. As we read on in Mark chapter 1, you can see Him starting to meet the needs. There's an evil spirit that he tossed out. A little bit later, that same day, he goes to Peter's house, actually Peter's mom's house, his, maybe his, his uh, mother-in-law, so his, his wife's mom's house, and brings healing to her. She had a fever, so she, he brings healing. So Jesus is giving them the word of God to help them grow and understand this pathway with God. But Jesus also understands we need to have our needs met, our physical needs met. And maybe this is an example. All these things are examples of how to live this faith, this life, to meet needs, but starting with understanding this relationship with God. But then it goes on. In Mark chapter 1, verse 32, let me read this for you. That same evening, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Verse 33 says, the whole town gathered at the door. Can you imagine Jesus' day that day? He presented the word of God, cast out a demon. They're shrieking. The emotion. I, have you ever had an emotional moment in the drain that it probably feels in your life where it's like a really chaotic moment? 
So he had this emotional moment, very chaotic. He goes to a loved one's house, and sometimes it seems like the loved ones are, it wears on us a little bit more. If it's someone we don't know as well, doesn't wear as much. And then that evening after dark, the whole town comes to him. Does this, does this sound like a long day to you? It sounds like one to me. And everybody's coming to Jesus, and they know he's the answer. Maybe they don't know exactly who Jesus is yet. I don't think they do. I think many people look at this as a the great physician, maybe a teacher. I don't think they understand. And Jesus is meeting needs. He's pouring himself out. He's doing all these things. We're told that they come after dark. These were good Jewish people. They were trying to abide by the law. The law said to not bear burdens on the Sabbath. But it's told there in in verse 32, they brought to Jesus. That word brought means to, to bear, to endure. And I think Jesus understood that the burdens these people were bearing were some of the heaviest ones you might carry. While we hear stories of hurting people, about people that are, I, I read just this morning about a family. I just, it's tragic. They, apparently they went on a kayaking trip on Lake Superior and the dad and the children er, and the mom, they're all on this, these kayaks or a kayak. I'm not sure. I didn't get the, the details. It ca- capsized and only the mom came back. The, other, the others died. Can, can you imagine that mom's anguish? That was on Thursday that happened. I can't even imagine what she's going through. Well, as difficult as that is for me to, you know, I, I feel bad for them. When it happens in your own family, that's the heaviest burden. I would carry that with every single day. And Jesus understood the hurt, the burden these people are carrying. So this is a whole long day of burden. There are burdens like that all around us, aren't there? Two days from now, right across the street, right over there at D.C. Everest, It's going to be over a thousand students walking into school. Every single one of them needs Jesus in a greater way than they have today. I hope and I pray that Bethany can be part of what meets the needs of those people. If we go back this way, just a couple of blocks, there's still water landing. And all those people have needs over there too, don't they? They all need Jesus. In a greater way. What about all around us? There's care facilities and homes. If we could, don't do this, but if you could go into the home over here and you could talk to the man or the woman that lives there, you asked them what was going on, they have needs, don't they? They have issues, they have things going on. And I would tell you, Jesus wants a connection with them, God wants a connection, and he wants a connection with each one of them and to meet their needs. Are you overwhelmed? I can't help but think of it. I get a little overwhelmed. Maybe not to the extent that Jesus was, but I get overwhelmed realizing the need and the what are we to do. He, our Savior, knows every need and he has more than enough resources to meet them. He's that power supply over there to meet them, but how do we make the connect? What goes on might go beyond what we can see. Jesus' example of living connected doesn't end there, though. Read with me verse 35. 
Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left that house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In my Bible, there's a little break there. There's a paragraph. There's a new heading. But I wonder if it would be best if today, at least for a few moments, erase that little blank in there, at least in your mind, and have it just kind of go from verse 34 right into 35. So what was happening in verse 32, 33, 34? It's all these people coming to him, all these needs, all these things pouring out. And verse 35 comes up, while it was still dark. So it's that same night. What did he do? What did Jesus do? He got up early. Jesus is alone. He's in the dark once again. Jesus pressed pause on his day, saying, I need to connect with my Father in heaven. And as great as these needs are at D.C. Everest, in the neighborhood, at Stillwater Landing, in my personal life, in the needs of my family, in this family on Lake Superior, as much of those needs, what I must do, I must have this connection with my Father in heaven. He presses pause. Prayer happened after a busy day. And Jesus recognized that the growth in his, mis- in his ministry had to be met with this time of prayer. Now the disciples were told, interrupted this time of prayer. If you read verse 36, they, said, they, they went to him and, Jesus, all the people are back. They need more help. There's more needs. There's more this. There's more that. There's all these things. Prayer, let's face it, can it be disrupted? Does it ever happen where I'm supposed to be in prayer and it gets even Jesus, the Son of God, has prayer time disrupted? It's hard to find that time, right? Can you imagine how exhausted he must have been and yet he got up early to go to the solitary pray place? But that prayer life, I think there's something there that maybe we could have. That's Jesus' model. The last thing that we'll look at this morning is what that led to in his life. It's Jesus' connection with the Father. Verse 36 through 38 says this. Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. They went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So Jesus had this habit of prayer. He would get up early He would go places and he would pray. He prays because he wants this relationship. He needs this relationship with God. Not to say that, oh, I prayed, I got that box checked in my life. Oh, I prayed so I can tell God all the things that he needs to be doing. No, he prayed because he wanted this relationship with God. In verse 138, It's not highlighted in your Bible, I'm sure. It's just what I did. But that is why I have come. It's italicized up there because he had a clear picture from God. Maybe that morning, even though there's all these needs here, I'm not to meet these needs. I need to go somewhere else. I need to go do something different. And that same message, The one to set us free from the burdens that we might be bearing. Maybe we're bearing some burdens right now we're not supposed to be carrying. 
Maybe God, in his wisdom, would love to tell you, maybe even this morning, I, I, I really don't want you to, to carry that burden anymore. Like those people carrying those people's burdens, I, I want you to give that burden to me. Perhaps God would like to speak to us this morning. He would like to say, I want a, a relationship with you. These are all things he might do. Jesus needed sleep that evening to recharge his body, but he needed prayer to charge up his relationship with God. So while Jesus still meets needs, he did not neglect his disciples. He did not leave those people standing there, but he knew it was far more important for him to have a connection with God, his Father in heaven, than it was to just stay busy and keep doing all the things that he had been doing. By comparing the different Gospels and comparing the different texts, this episode in Jesus' life probably happened about halfway through his ministry, about one and a half years into his time of, of ministry here on earth. I wonder why we don't have something earlier about Jesus' prayer life, but then I, I think it might be this. The disciples maybe weren't aware that Jesus was, Jesus was getting up and doing it. They weren't aware that God was speaking to him in such a way. And like I said earlier, it seems like the people that I know that have the prayer life that's most substantial, most real, they are the ones that seem to be able to say, I need to take time to pray. I need to listen to him. Maybe I will tell him some things, but I'm also going to be listening. There's a corresponding passage in Luke chapter 5. In Luke 5, 16, we're told, Jesus withdrew often to solitary places to pray. How often is often? Do you know? We, we don't know, right? It's, it doesn't say, it doesn't clarify. Wouldn't it be nice sometimes? Have you ever had that happen where you're like, I'm, you're reading something, you're like, God, I wish you could give me a, just a few more details. We don't know, because then, then we could know. We could, okay, Jesus got up early to a solitary places on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and every other Saturday. And that way we could know what we're supposed to be doing. But it seems like he didn't want our relationship with God to be based on that. We just know it was often. And I would say if Jesus did this often, it would be a good idea for us to do this often. And I'll let, it, I'll let the Holy Spirit start speaking. I would invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, start speaking to you. When does often need to start happening for you? I think that would be a, just a good thing to be doing. In just a moment, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, it reminds us of us, of our most important connection that we might have in, in this life. Our connection with our Father in heaven. If you ever go to an airport, if you ever go flying, if you need to find an outlet, you don't need to find an outlet. Just look for where all the people are. They're all standing around, plugging in their device. <laughs> so we're like, I don't know, has anybody here been to Yellowstone? Maybe some of you have. If you ever go to Yellowstone, if, you might go there to look at the animals. You don't look for animals. Can I just give you a hint? You just look for all the cars are backed up, back, to, back to, with each other, and you just go up to someone and say, what are you looking at? All right, same thing with an airport. You go to the airport, you need to find an outlet. All the people are standing around it. Okay, so you plug yourself in and you get yourself connected.
people know they need this connection. They need to be recharged. They're, they know, they, i got to get my phone. The, the battery indicator tells me I need this. In our hearts and in our lives, we have that same indication. Maybe it, it's not a dial. Maybe it's not something. But maybe we're sensing a disconnect. Maybe we realize we're, we're missing out on something. So God has built into his word, hardwired into our hearts and souls, that we can have a direct, we can have a recharged relationship with him. Jesus knew his disciples needed this connection. So on the last night before he was put on trial and crucified, he spent extensive time in prayer. He prayed over them, he prayed with them. And he gave them the Lord's Supper and Communion. Later, he went to Gethsemane. Do you remember that story? What did he do there? The night before, the most important, well, I I guess all of his days were important, but the most difficult, for certainly the most difficult time in his life. What did he do? He spent time in prayer, didn't he? He invited his disciples to come. Of course, we all know, what did they do? They, They fell asleep. So are we waiting for people to stay up with us to pray? Well, if Jesus' disciples couldn't manage it after three years, maybe we should stop waiting for everybody else. Instead, can we start setting aside these times with God? As we do this communion, this Lord's Supper right now, I would invite you, invite God to speak to you. Maybe you need to share some things with him. This would be a great time to do that. I want I would like to explain just a little bit about how communion works. And I, I hope that um, while I'm explaining this, it's not so much about, I, I don't, first of all, I don't, if I do anything different than Pastor Kim, it's not because I'm trying to be different. It's just, this is the way I understand it. So bear with me if it's different than you expect, okay? Communion was given by God to us to help us understand our relationship with him a little bit more. The Lord's Supper, we take the bread, his body, broken for us we take the cup his blood poured out for us and we have this relationship with him and this is the time where we consider carefully who Jesus is to us what did he do if a person in this room today doesn't understand yet what that relationship with is I want to invite you it's 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 really it's it's not necessarily easy but it's it's simple what I mean by that is it's, it's asking God, speak to me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. At some point, too, we remember we have sin in our life. We have, we have to confess that sin. We, so we confess that sin to him and we ask him, speak into my life, speak into my heart. In just a little bit, I'll invite you to come up as you're ready. Come up, take some bread, take the cup, and go back to your seat and, and take it. But I would invite, use this time as a reflection of maybe this is what God is speaking to me and listen to him. And if Jesus was involved often in prayer, maybe, maybe this could be the start of often for you about what it means to have this relationship with God, a direct connect with him. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And when you're ready, I would invite you to come on up and take the communion, take, take the Lord's Supper as you're ready. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word about Jesus, 
about he's, how he's working, how he's moving in the hearts and lives of people. And as I read the book of Mark, it seems to me, Lord, the disciples really didn't understand everything that was happening. But Lord, you knew what you were doing. And you said no to something so you could say yes to the things you most needed to do. I pray we could be these same people that can say no to some things, that we give the burdens that we're carrying that we're not meant to carry, give them up to you, that we would be able to listen to what you're saying. Lord, we invite you, speak to us this morning, work in our hearts and lives. As we take communion, Lord, I pray that you would um, just remind us, you are still alive, you're working, and you still want that direct connect with us. In Jesus' name, amen.